Welcome to Lab the Podcast. We are uncovering enchanted reality through conversations with people whose lives and work give us a glimpse of the life and beauty of the gospel. We're so glad you're joining us for the conversation. Lab the Podcast starts right now. Hey, welcome to Lab the Podcast. I'm so grateful to be here with esteemed platinum recording artist and Grammy award-winning songwriter, producer, and worship leader, Brooke Lidgertwood. Brooke's passion for art and theology are an incredible gift to so many, including myself and my family. She's served the church globally through her long-established tenure of writing congregational anthems, while also maintaining a mainstream career for over two decades under her maiden name, Brooke Frazier. A prolific songwriter, Brooke has penned a growing anthology of beloved church anthems like What a Beautiful Name, King of Kings, A Thousand Hallelujahs, and Hosanna, as well as devotional favorites like New Wine, None But Jesus, and many more. Her songs have been streamed globally more than 1.5 billion times, translated into 15 languages, and have topped charts with number ones and several top 25s. Brooke and her husband, Scott, have two young daughters. And Brooke, you are hours away from the release of this brand new album. So thanks for making time to hang out with us. It's great. So thrilled. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, so eight on Spotify. I was just looking because you, you have the pre-order, pre-save. And it's 10 hours, 54 minutes as we're talking till the release of this album. Is there an emotion that's particular that you're feeling right now ahead of this release? Yeah. Um, well, the, my body feels the emotion of nausea. My <laughs> my heart probably feels, I don't know, this is an interesting one for me. I've been releasing music for a long time, but I was with... Um, some people last night and um one of my friends who's kind of a business guy not not in the arts kind of has been in ministry for long but not 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 um a nuts and bolts kind of understanding of music and he was like how you know how are you feeling the album's coming out you must be so excited and um I think he was a little taken aback. I was like do you really want to ask me this in this dinner right now with this big group of people and he's like yeah I do and um and I said I to be honest with you um I'm I'm feeling um uh, I have been taken aback by the unexpected waves of grief, which is not the kind of thing you probably expect me to say. But this this album, the process of this album, um, I was with my friend Jason last night as well. Who he and I produced that produced the album together, and um, and so he, obviously he's familiar with all that the process is carried, but he said, yeah, he goes, a lot of these songs, Brooke, are, all of the songs are loaded in, with loss in some way. So that's been a really interesting experience uh, uh, for me. At times I've questioned whether I should kind of delay this until I'm more together, <laughs> until I'm through to the other side. Um, and so it's a really interesting point to release music um, when you're still in the middle. And um, and so, uh, but I think that that's probably also um maybe truest to the office of the artist um is to um is to hopefully um serve and contribute something of beauty to the world um that uh comes from um a place where we're aware of all of the facets of our humanity yeah 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 
And I think that's well said. I mean, the the reality of the moment that we're in, too, we can't predict when things are going to come out. And just the the world is complex and, and tumultuous anyway, globally. And here we are in a moment where all of us are trying to find words and give voice to different feelings, especially around our faith, where we're saying, God, what about? And, and where are we? And is there a desert? And your ability to give voice to those things, that is the artist's gift to help all of us kind of put language and emotion to things that we can't put words to. And you help us do it. So that makes sense. And especially you've released other projects at this scale before. That's not new, but this particular album has its own identity. And I was reading a little bit about the album and you talk about it as an unfolding listening experience. I wondered if you could just say a little bit more about that because that struck me as particular, that there was a way that you approached eight that maybe was different from seven and that unfolding uh, perspective. I think seven being a live recording, we really just um, presented it and that, that collection came out um, as if you were um, in a worship night. So we literally just put the, the tracks in the order of the way that we led them on the night of worship. Um, with seven, it being a studio album, I still um, wanted to be really deliberate about it um, at not feeling like, um, not feeling uh like it was created in a clinical environment, which I think sometimes I listen to studio albums and I'm 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 kind of feeling like I'm missing the humanity. So um so I really try and make sure there's human sounds still in them, the sounds of people shuffling around, and um, the sounds of uh, intercession. And so and so even though this is a studio album, um it's really created to be something that you can put on, whether in your car or going for a walk or just kind of in your home. Um, and of course, people will pick and choose tracks. That's great. but but if you want to have an experience, um, uh, it is also kind of formatted in such a way that um that, uh, in particular points in the listening experience, I've inserted kind of these um, uh, longer, probably too long instrumentals uh, because I want there to also be space for response and and hopefully a reminder to people that um, I, you know I, I'm not there to entertain people, I'm here, but I am here to serve you, hopefully in an experience. Um, that uh, with through your own faith and prayer and your own worship offered up can be an encounter with Jesus, because otherwise there's kind of no point for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. Your team sent a link so that I was able to listen to the entire album all the way through in an unbroken way like that. And it does unfold and allow you to immerse yourself in the movement of the piece. It kind of moves like that symphony that just takes you through this swell and that valley and back up and through the deserts and places. And it was really, it evoked a whole range of emotions. Uh, there was no point that I felt like, like the weight, the heavy weight that sometimes I felt was was too much. Uh, there were times where it lifted at just the right moment. And you felt like there was somebody with you, you use the word serving, but like a guide alongside. So it was really a beautiful experience. Did you, was some of this written kind of commingled with seven or did seven completely rest? And then mm -hmm. you said, no, let me reimagine what I want to do next. And then eight emerged or, or was it kind of a more blended process? Yeah, no, there, it was it was definitely quite segmented for me. Seven was um, going to be one and done. I I never anticipated that there was more beyond that um, when we made it, and really that was made in response to uh, I basically felt the Lord 
told me very unequivocally to do that. And I, and it confused me at the time because I didn't understand the purpose. Um, but I did it anyway. I, well, I didn't understand uh, why I knew that this, I knew that doing seven would for various reasons um, <laughs> make life a little complex. And um, I was already really happy with um, what I was doing. Um, but then the Lord said, do seven and, and we did it, but it was, you know, it's really amazing. It, um, uh, the way that the Lord leads, um, you know, a month after uh, Seven came out, m- m- our, our personal world, at least in our family, really started to have some huge tectonic shifts. And, um, and you know, so a lot of sadness and grief with that, but also in that seeing the utter kindness of God. And then I named that 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 album seven because of Revelation 1. It had nothing to do with me kind of picking a random number. It was really... Um, anchored in what I felt like the Lord was stirring in me and asking me to do at that time because of Revelation 1 and that Jesus standing in the middle of the seven lampstands, which are the seven churches. Um, and then kind of once we kind of had had seen seven through a little bit and it had been out for a little while, um, kind of it, it became um, apparent to me that um, that I probably needed to do more. Um, and so then that's how kind of eight began. And really it's been a relatively quick um, process in some ways. And, uh, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a a crazy feeling to have it this imminent, but I also think it's going to be a quite a healing thing to, um, to release it at this time, hopefully. Yeah, no, I think so. And I just am grateful for your, the obedience side of that to say, I hear this and I think God, I believe I have conviction that God's calling me to write or to share a new piece of art in this way and all of the things that come from that. But then to have like from our experience on the listening side of that, the gift side of that, I've shared some of those songs with people who have lost children, who have been through unimaginable difficulty and the particular yes that you gave, right? And then the allowing God to work through you travels across the world to this particular person in their particular moment. That's extraordinary to me. And I mean, it's the it's the most wonderful gift of God, but also art and art's capacity to give us something and to allow God to work in a way. That's just extraordinary. Are there, for you as a person and as an artist, I'm curious if you can trace back to like your young years, childhood, early adolescence, and can, are you able to make sense of it now? Because I know probably now sitting at your kitchen table, you got daughters and a husband, you go, what is, what is happening, <laughs> right? Like here I am in this place and that place and traveling here and traveling there and writing and feeling called by God to do art in a particular way. And then can you look back at your story and go, no, it was there. Like I could go back today and see a nine, 12 year old Brooke. God was already pulling me in that direction. Is it that evident or are you going, God, how did you do this? Um, I think the answer is both. I, I, um, I, you know, I started writing songs before I ever uh, met Christ. Um, and so it's, it's amazing the way that, um, that God wires each each of us individually and gives us um, gives us you know the, the scripture says that the gift and the call of God are irrevocable. So um, so Paul McCartney's songwriting gift is from God. <laughs> that is the gift of God. So we each are given these gifts, and um, and you know they find um, uh, they step into full purpose when they when they're connected um, to the redemptive heart of God, um, but. 
uh, in my experience, it was also the gifts that God had given me, um, whether I had ever met him or not, that became almost breadcrumbs on on the path that led me to him. Uh, because as a 12-year-old, when I started writing songs, um, I was able to um, explore some of these questions that I had as a 12-year-old girl about purpose and about um, and all of these things. And it wasn't like I had a... Um, Peers who talk, who were interested in talking about the same things, or um, or even a, a, a family dynamic that could host those kinds of conversations, and so songwriting for me became the way that I could have a conversation about these questions I had, and I feel like what that did was um, was help me to articulate the need I had for God without ever having necessarily the language to to put it that way, um, and so when I then a few years later. Um, met Jesus I was like oh all of these um, things and these questions that I've had that I've been able to explore in songwriting here I find um, the answer in a person and um, and so kind of then beginning to walk walk that has been beautiful Um, so there's that part of that and then the other side of that answer that not the being able, both the being able to trace um, the story that was being written all along, and also the utter surprise and astonishment and wonder is, you know, um, next week it's going to be twenty years since the release of my first record, and so God bless my my Sony family. I did all my Brooke Fraser records through Sony. They have been digging through the archives and sending me all kinds of absolutely crazy <laughs> videos of, you know, those early years of me as a teenager. You know performing these songs that I'd written in my bedroom and they are just horrible I can't even tell you I I I've watched these videos and we'll probably post some snippets of them um just in like bite-sized pieces because it's just it is so humiliating and humbling (laughs) and the best way to go how did I how did I ever get to do this with my life because if I had seen these if I had seen these videos um, you know, if I had been, I, I just, I'm astonished that um, that I've been, that God has gifted me um, with the ability to be able to spend my life making art because, gosh, I was crap. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> That's God is- great. That's great. I think I heard Ed Sheeran say something very similar, like an encouragement to young artists saying like, listen, if you listen to what I was trying to do when I started, you would be amazed that I get to do this for a job. So I love that. We were, I was reading a book with our team that was talking about Michelangelo. And if you walk through up to the David, to see the David statue, you pass by a lot of his early work and you see the development of an artist that eventually puts on display this incredible, magnificent piece that transforms so many people's lives. And you wonder, like, at at any point had they quit, right? What God was already doing in them, would that have not been shared? And I said it earlier that I think, and I want to pull on this thread and, and hear your thoughts on this, because I think your gift is other And here's what I mean by that. And you alluded to it, that I'm not here to entertain you necessarily, although I'm an artist and my art serves people in different ways. But there's a particular thing that is true, I think, for me when I heard King of Kings, that it's something other. And it's like great religious art, like the David, like Caravaggio's work, like Michelangelo's other work, or you see these pieces that help you see through 
something to the transcendent and it and it opens you up like that and not everybody can do that there's a lot of wonderful artists singing really meaningful things and really meaningful thing about things about faith but yours is in that sphere of other and seems to be that for so many of us where you're able to give voice and in a corporate sense give voice to the heart of the church and and put on display really deep, deep rooted theological themes of the Christian faith, but do it poetically and, and beautifully. It, how have you made sense of that tension as an artist who has this 20 year body of work that is, that's art. It's you producing art that's from your uh, imagination and passion and gifting in the moment that you're in. And then there's this other aspect that, I feel like has to be a weight a bit to steward. Um, how have you, is there a tension there and how do you navigate that? Well, first of all, I, I don't know that I am deserving of that, <laughs> but I, I certainly thank you so much for the encouragement. And I just, I, um, you know, you speak of the other and I think that is, um, I think of, I think it's in, um, in first Peter, it talks about, um, uh, there's a phrase that he uses and he talks about the administration of this mystery. And, um, and I feel like that is um, what, what song and, and art can do is um, administrate, which means to bring order around mystery and translate it in some way. Um, and I know, you know, because I, as you have been, have been the recipient of experiencing this mystery um, articulated through beauty that um, that given to us by so many artists and authors and people who are gifted by God to be able to administrate mystery. And so there is, I think, the elements of trying to steward what you've been given well and um, become more skilled at the administration. <laughs> um, I think, you know, you talked about Michelangelo before, but I love that quote of his, um, which I don't know if it's actually his, who knows, you know, at this point, but, but, you know, he said, um, apparently he said, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. And so um, that whole idea that, um, that the mystery, that the other um, is always present in the marble, but uh, as artists, we can grow in our our skill at being able to um, to to chisel out just enough so that the mystery that has always existed um, can be seen in its truest form, and I think that that is something that can develop over time. Walking past, you know, Michelangelo's early works to finally seeing the David that um, those angels, so to speak, in the marble were always there, but he was able to grow in his skill until you can gaze upon a work that feels like it's something that has always been there and is a, is a, as hopefully as true as possible, a representation um, of the, the reality that is, it exists to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful in the complexity of, I'm sure. And to be able to put a brush or a song or something that has the complexity of all of like the spiritual battle around the resurrection or something, but then also to like paint a flower, right? And to do both, like the ability to write a song that speaks to your kids or gives voice to my life as a mom or a person. And then yeah. also to turn your gift to say thousands of people in the church will hundreds of years later, like your name will be a hymn writer 
for a hundred years from now when we're singing these hymns like King of Kings, you know, that's, that's, that's just a wild complexity to me. And I wonder, Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called Art and the Bible. And he said, good art uh, has to be theologically excellent, or it has to be artistically excellent and theologically significant. Those are the two things that he kind of said. I want my good art to speak to both of those. And I think yours does. It has the the deep-rooted theological significance and also gets to that level of beauty that we're talking about. Who are the voices that kind of help you steward both of those really well, that, that, that you draw from to anchor that theological significance, and then the people who push you to keep thinking artistically and to keep pushing? I think um, I am, I'm influenced by a lot of people who are not physically alive anymore, <laughs> you know, um, and, and really for me, a lot of my art has been inspired by, um, by books more than necessarily um, other music or other art. So I could trace so many of uh, origins of songs that I've written to, to books that I've written that have impacted me, you know, um, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Like even I, I once wrote a song after I read um, Patti Smith's autobiography, Just Kids. Um, uh, so there's so much that um, inspired that. But really I think um, my art is, is so... Um, shaped by the word because I think it's the word has so shaped me I hope um but you know I I came to faith um alone in my bedroom as a 15 year old girl with with the bible um and and so from the very literally the moment of kind of the genesis of of my walking with Christ the word has been I'm so sorry I don't know how to turn off those notifications um the word has um intrinsically um shaped my um understanding and navigating of the world and so therefore it deeply informs all the art that I make both the songs of worship but um also then the other art that I make for people outside the four walls of the church and I think um and I think that's why you know they they talk about you know um preachers who um uh, or always encourage each other not to not to read the word just to write a sermon um and i would say it would be the same for um absolutely for anybody who um who writes a song that a congregation might use it's not about um i don't want to read a passage uh, with the end goal of figuring out how i can put this in a song but simply by um being a person who's ingesting and soaking in the scripture because the word never returns void at some point all of that that has been kind of seeded in you um, will at some point bud and flourish um, and kind of make its way into into the art that we create, which is just wild. It's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, it's amazing to think of your 15-year-old self beginning to absorb that living word and it starts to have a life in you and mature. And that takes all of these years to the point that what comes out today is drawing from that in a in a beautiful, living way. I love that. So I know we're going to run out of time. I, I want to respect your time, but we have to get to actually talk about eight, which is on, <laughs> it's probably the counter is now saying we're a half hour closer to it than we were before. But is there, I know for you, there's probably a particular moment or maybe a couple in the album where you made a, a specific choice to, mm -hmm. to include something or to prune something. 
And I'm wondering if you can give us a hint of one of those that we can listen for as it comes out, that we can go, you know what, I heard her talk about that choice that she made artistically or lyrically. Is there something that you're really excited to share that you know, hey, that was a particular choice I made? Um, Gosh, there's so many that come to mind and there's so much fun. You know, one of the things that I love about, um, particularly about getting to write and create and produce um, sounds attached to songs of worship is that um, I just love the worship being all through it and all of through the stories of the things, not just the thing that you hear at the end, but all through the process. And so there, what you're hearing is not just a song of worship, but you're hearing uh, moments and stories in the lives of people who have played these sounds that are, um, that are that are worship themselves. So there is a, a song. Oh, it's actually I would describe it as more of a moment called "Like Incense" um, on the record. And and "Like Incense" is a, a, a collection of verses that I then matched with the very gracious um, permission many years ago of Rich Mullins' estate with with his uh, with his chorus um, from sometimes his song "Sometimes by Step." So the title is "Like Incense Slash Sometimes by Step," and um, Rich Mullins has had a huge influence on me and one of the things that I uh, attach um, to him and his legacy and his um, the nature of the prophetic life he lived is the sound of the hammer dulcimer. So I knew that I wanted to have the hammer dulcimer on this song as a little nod um, to Rich and the origins of these songs. Well, um, I said to Jason, I was like, do you know anybody that plays the hammer dulcimer who we can have come and play on this song? And he says, I know, I know the guy. And so this gentleman called Gabe Scott turns up to Jason's house one day to play the hammer dulcimer um, on this song. It turns out he started playing the hammer dulcimer because of Rich Mullins and I think was actually taught by the the, one of the key guys that played the Hammer Dulcimer in Rich's band. So there's, that's already a story, an amazing moment in itself. But one of the incredible things about Gabe's story, and I share this story, um, I specifically asked him and his wife for permission to be able to share this, but Gabe a few years ago almost lost, as a, has been a musician all his life, um, a few years ago uh, got sick and the virus traveled to his brain and he ended up almost losing his life to encephalitis um, was in a coma in the hospital and when he woke up from that coma had lost completely lost the memory of the previous four years of his life couldn't remember the birth of his daughter or any of his early and any of her the early years of his and still can't so but one of the things that Gabe could still remember how to do was to play the dulcimer and so here we are just a couple of years into this really heartbreaking journey of him um, learning how to live again with this loss of the significant, these significant years of his life, uh, um, this whole season of him becoming a father that is is gone from his memory, and trying to reconcile all of that with this God that he loves, who he's walked with, and then um, and then his wife. I ran into her the other night, and she told me that the session that he did with us when he played was one of his first times back trying to play music for recording and he was really nervous he didn't know if he could do it or if he would be able to remember um the the songs that you know and so getting to sit in that room while this gentleman uh walking through this season of having survived but still reconciling this brokenness and then getting to play um with this part of his brain that could still remember um this person that he was um just even the worship and the weight and that sound alone 
is heavy. I'm going to tell you one more and we're going to move on, but I just, I get a bit excited. Oh, and then I one of those. Things I also wanted to do in that song because it's a song about um, it's a song about prayer and about intercession. Is you you won't be able to hear it unless you listen for it. But I wanted to include the sounds of intercession in that instrumental as Gabe is playing, and so <clears throat> I asked a few really specific people just to send me recordings of them praying. So. Um, there's Priscilla Shira, who's a Bible teacher, who I absolutely love and adore. But then there's also just my friend's mum, who um, doesn't speak English. She, her and her husband um, came to the US um, uh, as illegal immigrants, I believe, and are, um, are pastors of a tiny Spanish church in Arizona. But she's a woman of faith, a woman of prayer, um, a prophetic woman. And so I asked her if she would just pray in Spanish for the church and this history. She's an older woman, older Spanish woman in her 60s. No one will ever know her name. But just um, so we have this established, renowned Bible teacher, but then also this incredible, faithful um, woman who just praise um, and has prayed for her whole life and then also some children so I asked my own daughter who was five at the time who I believe actually has a gift of prayer when she prays it's not like any five-year-old pray that I've ever heard and her having walked through this past season of her life losing her grandma we moved across the other side of the world really suddenly because my mother-in-law got really sick um and so my five-year-old praying and I said you can pray whatever you want and she just started praying in her little husky five-year-old voice with her lisp um praying and thanking God that he is the God that has defeated death and um so I didn't want to make those overt or cliche moments so they're tucked in there they're not necessarily audible but just the idea that this moment is is loaded with real worship and real intercession um that that uh that belies the thing that you can actually hear. Yeah. Mm. I'm so grateful for that right there. Thank you for taking the time to share that. Um, I, as I said, like artists, there's so many different artists that are so talented. And then there's that occasional person you meet that you say, there's something other in even just the choices, like we, with visual artists like Mako Fujimori, who uses particular elements in the visual art. And you wouldn't necessarily know it unless you get to do this kind of a conversation and hear like, no, the, the reason you feel and experience in God works in some particular way is because of the thought and intention to say, I'm going to include this voice and this voice and this voice. And most of us won't even hear it, but it's yeah. it's part of the palette that's there. That, that Thank you. What a treasure to get to hear that. And we're going to listen for it in now seven hours and 45 <laughs> minutes or whatever. <laughs> So good. Well, you are a gift to so many of us, and it really is. Uh, I think it, there's so many songs. King of Kings, again, for me in, in the story that we're living as a family, but uh, thank you. And I think there's so many of us who go, oh, thanks for taking the time so that we can have kind of a human conversation with somebody who is a part of our life in, the, in, in and through their art. And I, there's that natural instinct to say, well, we're in your debt and we want to offer something back. And so obviously like download the album, pre-save the album, share the album, you know, there's all of that. But as a mom of that, that little voice that's praying and a husband who's helping shepherd all this life that's happening, what, how could we kind of love you back and contribute back? Cause there's so many people I think who are like, no, there's been an impact from that other quality of her art um, beyond just sharing, is it just to pray and is there a particular way or just to cheer you on? Like what matters for you as an artist and as a person? 
Thank you for asking that. Um, and I would say two things come to mind. The first is, yeah, please pray for me if you think of me. Um, I I know that I am sustained by prayer. And um, even last night I said, I, I, I know what the Lord is asking of me, but I almost feel like a preemptive weariness. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's hard to, you know that you do it, but um, but um, we, I really need prayer um, to, to sustain me and my family for what we feel the Lord is calling us to. So prayer would just mean the world, even if it's like 10 seconds. Um, and the second thing was what I would just be to ask um, anybody listening um, to be faithful with your own calling. Um, I look at my little girls and I'm so aware of um, uh, the church that they are going to be um, part of in 10, 15, 20 years. And so um, it may seem insignificant, but maybe there's someone listening today who is um, the mother or the father of a kid who seems kind of difficult right now, but has some crazy leadership on their lives or some gift that needs contending for, because maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, they're going to be um, a, a, a significant minister in the church that my kids might be blessed by their ministry you know it's not even for me at this point it's not even about us it's about these generations coming through um and so i would just ask anyone listening like to um and i would encourage you and i would i would thank you in advance for being faithful with what god's put in your hand because i will in the eternal scheme of things be blessed by your obedience because your obedience will have a ripple effect that will touch even my children yeah yeah now I share that with you. So, Brooke, thank you so much. The album is eight, and it's coming out in just a few short hours. You can find it on all the platforms. Please, everybody who's listening, take a listen. And I, I really do encourage you to listen in that unfolding way and give yourself space. One of the gifts that's given through great art is for us to slow down and to not necessarily just pick and choose, but to just let the art unfold and, and have its work because God is working through it. So Brooke, thanks for your artistry. Thanks for the humility and the time and just what you've given in so many ways. Uh, and we will take you up on that and be praying for you. But this album's a treasure, particularly. I, I was moved by it and we're just really thankful for you. So thanks for the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for the conversation. Remember to like and subscribe to Lab the Podcast and visit VUVIVO.com to help us uncover enchanted reality. We'll see you next time.